You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior. Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And, uh, you know, after a little bit of a lull in the news on Thursday, which I didn't mind because it gave uh, me and Nando DeFino, who was on the show, uh, a chance to kind of uh, expand a little bit on some of the other stories. Uh, well, we got lots of news for you today. And, uh, of course, a lot of great performances from Thursday's slate to go over. A uh, really nice performance from Chad Cool. Uh, we had big home run performances from Paul Goldschmidt and Wilson Contreras. I know you already know that uh, Paul Goldschmidt's really, really good. I'll go over exactly how good he has been. But uh, let's get to the news. And uh, just within the last hour or so, uh, report that the Rays have optioned Blake Snell back to AAA Durham. Snell uh, pitched last night, uh, was not very effective, uh, generally had not been uh, really that much better since coming back up uh, from his last stint in Durham. So uh, back to AAA he goes for Blake Snell. And no uh, other announcements in terms of what the Rays are planning to do with their rotation. Jake Odorizzi should be back soon. Maybe it's just a, a quick, easy swap out like that. Um, but I uh, haven't seen anything and have not seen anything about Brent Honeywell either. So um, all kinds of possibilities there. Uh, Chad Bettis will be back in the Rockies rotation fairly soon. Uh, in fact, just a little bit over a week. Target date for him is August 13th. He has been working his way back from uh, treatment for testicular cancer. So this is a great, great story uh, for Chad Bettis. And uh, I would think probably it would be Tyler Chatwood losing his spot, but I've not seen anything definitive there. And again, with the uh, target date of August 13th, there is plenty of time for uh, that situation to work itself out. Addison Russell has gone on the DL earlier today with a right foot strain. That is uh, bad news for Russell, of course. Very good news, probably, for Javier Baez. The Cubs are scheduled to face five left-handed starters next week, and Baez has just been sensational against lefties. Uh, And as somebody on Twitter pointed out to me, Albert Albert Almora is very good against lefties too. But uh, I was a little concerned about Baez's playing time uh, with Russell out. I think you figure he's going to be in there every day and start each of those games against lefties. So um, just worth noting in terms of Javier Baez. And also worth noting about uh, Albert Almora as well. Uh, Got a lot more to come. A lot of news regarding the Nationals rotation. So I will get to that right after this break and lots, lots more. So stick around.
In 2016, Scott Engel predicted an impressive second season from Melvin Gordon. Jake Seeley recommended Jordan Howard. Bobby McMahon forecasted a JGI breakthrough. George Kurtz saw a big year coming from Matt Ryan. And Joe Galina picked Rashard Matthews as one of his top sleepers. These predictions turned fantasy owners into champions, and the same crew returns this year. With more savvy calls in the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package at RotoExperts.com. Don't miss the calls that create winners. Register now and enter free radio at checkout for a special discount. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanDrag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. And uh, we just got started with some of the news items uh, just before that break. So lots more to get to. And as I mentioned, a whole bunch of uh, news and moves regarding the Nationals rotation. So they're going to kind of reset that based on a number of things. First of all, Max Scherzer is scheduled to throw a bullpen session tomorrow, and he is tentatively scheduled to uh, make his next start on Monday against the Marlins. So that would be good because when he left that last start early with the next spasms, that was a little concerning to say the least. I also love the story uh, that I saw shortly after that, that uh, he credited the home run that he hit in that game to the next spasms. Uh, Whatever works, I guess. Uh, so uh, Scherzer scheduled to start on Monday. Steven, uh, Steven Strasburg scheduled to throw, throw a bullpen session today. And initially, by the way, Scherzer was scheduled to go today too, but that got moved to tomorrow. Uh, and if all goes well for Strasburg's bullpen session today, the next step for him would be a sim game. But there is no scheduled date for that as of yet. I'm sure they just want to see how he responds to the bullpen session. And Gio Gonzalez is going on paternity leave. So uh, the Cubs, who you know a few days back might have been facing the prospect of having to face all three of those pitchers, will not have to face any of them. Uh, so Gonzalez won't start until next week at some time. And this week, of course, uh, Nationals right now in progress against the Cubs. It's Tanner, Tanner Roark going for the Nationals. They've uh, given him a nice... 2 nothing lead. Rourke's just given up one hit uh, over his two innings so far. That one's about to go to the bottom of the third. So Rourke starting today uh, against the Nationals. Tomorrow will be Edwin Jackson. Sunday it'll be Eric Fetty, who just made his uh, big league debut earlier this week. So that's your Nationals rotation uh, update for right now. Uh, Adam Wainwright is scheduled to make his return to the Cardinals rotation on Sunday against the Reds. Of course, he's been out with the stiff back. Luke Weaver was uh, optioned back out to AAA Memphis. A lot of people have been asking me questions about picking up Luke Weaver. Uh, got uh, one this morning, but the last few days really been getting quite a few, uh, even with the prospect of Wainwright due to be back. And of course, now we know that that's going to happen on Sunday. And, uh, you know, I, I still think, I don't know where Weaver fits in, but as we saw from his last start, uh, you know, he's he's ready. He's uh, certainly ready to be successful at the major league level. Don't think he's got anything left to prove at any minor league level. Um, so I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but uh, I, I would, uh, I think in a 12-team mixed league, probably there's better uses just in terms of somebody that you could you know use in the next week or so next couple of weeks as opposed to uh luke weaver but um you know a 10 teamer 
I, I think it's it's not a bad use if you have some bench spots, uh, given that you, you wait a couple of weeks and there's still no sign of Weaver coming back up. Uh, then you can go out and you still get a very good pitcher. And in deep leagues, I think that Weaver's definitely a mustache pitcher. That's mustache, by the way. Jason Kipnis is expected to be activated this Sunday against the Yankees. He's been out with a hamstring injury. Julio Tehran is expected to just get right back into the Braves rotation. He left his last start after five innings with a thigh cramp, but uh, not expected to miss a turn. Andrew Knapp left yesterday's game after taking foul ball off of his right hand. Uh, there is no break, however. It's just uh, being diagnosed as a hand bruise, so I would imagine that Knapp is probably not out for too long. And in the event that he is, and again, I wouldn't expect that given this diagnosis, I have uh, kind of an interesting statistical tidbit about Cameron Rupp that I'm going to share a little bit later on. Probably not too much later on in the show. Uh, should Rupp get an opportunity to play a little bit more than he has lately. And Garrett Richards has been cleared to throw off a, a mound starting tomorrow, and this would be his first time to throw off a mound that since way back on April 5th, in that report courtesy of Pedro Mora of the Los Angeles Times. So uh, that's, uh, you know, that's one to track over these last couple of months of the season. Um guessing Garrett Richards probably not being stashed too many places, so probably could stash him now and just in the event that uh, he's able to work his way back for later in the season. Uh, but let's get to some of those standout performances, and nobody stood out more than Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, you could argue that maybe nobody has stood out more this entire season than Paul Goldschmidt, which is why I don't talk about him a whole lot on this show. Even when he has a game like this one where he hits three home runs and drives in six runs, uh, which is precisely what he did on Thursday against the Cubs, it's like, okay, that's Paul Goldschmidt doing what Paul Goldschmidt does. Uh, so three for four. As I mentioned, three home runs. He's now up to 25. He's now up to 85 RBI, which is quite amazing when you consider that we're roughly at the two-thirds mark for the season. So 130 RBIs for the season is is absolutely within reach for Paul Goldschmidt. Also walked in that game, so he reached a total of four times. Uh, now, I think earlier in the season, he I'm not sure how far back this was, but I think he was tops among all players in Roto Value. Well, now he's down to fifth. Um, but he's second among all hitters. The only hitter that right now is ranking higher than Goldschmidt in terms of Roto Value would be Jose Altuve. It's a pretty good pretty good company there. Uh, I'm not sure where Trout would, would rank if we could prorate him, you know, based on all the time that he missed, but you know, we're certainly getting the the top of our first round uh, kind of forming forming into shape. Uh, at this point, uh, and again, not a big difference because Altuve went very early. Goldschmidt went very early. Trout was the consensus number one pick. Uh, so, you know, I think all three will certainly be right there. I would think Mookie Betts probably maybe falls a couple of spots compared to uh, to this year. But a lot can happen in two months. A lot can happen. So uh, it's a bit early, even though I'm starting to see questions about, well, how do you rank so-and-so for 2018? Uh, it's it's a bit early for that. Wilson Contreras had a monster game last night against the, or actually that was, was a day game, 
yesterday versus the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, went three for five with his 17th and 18th home runs. He, too, drove in six. He's up to 65 for the year. So roughly on pace for 100 RBIs. That's incredible uh, for Contreras, uh, you know, for catcher. Granted, uh, I mean, he plays plays a good deal, but uh, that's that's the number that really stands out to me. And over his last 36 games, so this goes back to June 19th, so not quite a month and a half, not quite a quarter of the season. Last 36 games, Contreras has a 308, 384, 646 slash line with 13 home runs, only five doubles, which is a little misleading. Uh, because whenever you see a player double up or close to triple up on the home run to double ratio, you say, up oh, there's somebody who probably strikes out a lot, hits a lot of fly balls, pulls a lot of balls, uh, and probably hits like 220. <laughs> well, we know that's not the case at all for uh, Contreras. And during that span, he hit 308. And I think he's much more to that kind of hitter, a 300 hitter, than he is the 220, 225 hitter. So I'm not, I'm not sure what's up with only five doubles over that period, I'm also not particularly concerned. And I'm also very encouraged by the fact that not only is Contreras hit with all this power, uh, again, that's less than a quarter of the season, 13 home runs. So, um, I mean, as a catcher, you kind of, you know, discount the the proration a little bit, but that is a better than 50 home run pace for a full season based on what he's done the last 36 games. So you got the power, uh, but you've got the batting average. You've also got a 19% strikeout rate, which is a big improvement over what he had been doing the first two and a half months of the season. So Contreras is just legit awesome lately. Now, I had said a little bit earlier, I have kind of an interesting Cameron Rupp tidbit for you. Since the start of this hot streak for Contreras, I don't know if you can call it a hot streak if it's for roughly a quarter of the season, but since June 19th, Contreras has a greater average fly ball distance than any other player in the major leagues who's hit at least 10 fly balls except for one player. And you guessed it. That one player is Cameron Rupp. So this is not just catchers. This is all players in the top two, both catchers. Cameron Rupp, then Wilson Contreras. And during that same period, Rupp's got a slash line of 288, 364, and 593 with five homers and three doubles. But it's only 66 plate appearances because, as I mentioned earlier, he's been losing a lot of playing time to Andrew Knapp. So I don't know if it's just that uh, Pete McCann's done a great job of picking spots for for, uh, Rupp to start. But interesting to see if uh, maybe he starts to get more playing time again. Anyways, a lot more standout performances to get to. I will get to them right after this break. Ezekiel Elliott, Carl Anthony Towns, Corey Seager. Those are the rookies of the year. Much like the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. The fastest growing fantasy sports network on radio is completely free 24-7. Listen to us live at FNTSY.com slash radio or download the app right now in the Google Play Store or on iTunes. 
Welcome back, everybody. This is FanDrag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, the host of this show, and got a uh, Rays rotation update, kind of, sort of, that I will get to in just a moment. But first of all, need to know that you can now take the world's premier 24-7 Fantasy Sports radio network with you wherever you go. All you got to do is download the Fantasy Sports Radio app in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and listen for free anytime or anywhere. You can hear Tony Sincata on the treadmill, Benny Riccardi in your car, or Greg Sussman on the subway. Or just relax with the king on the couch or with Jake Seeley when you're jogging. We'll keep you updated and informed wherever you go. So get the Fantasy Sports Radio app for free right now in the iTunes Store or on Google Play and take the experts with you. So uh, over the break, I saw that there was a piece uh, out in the Tampa Bay Times. Uh, this from, uh, I believe it's Mark Topkin, but let me just double check on that. Uh, it is, in fact, Mark Topkin. Uh, and he reports that um, Jake Odorizzi could come off the DL uh, next week, and, and that could just take care of... Uh, filling the spot vacated by Blake Snell. And if you missed it in the last segment, he has been sent back down to AAA Durham. Uh, but Brent Honeywell is a possibility. So, you know, nothing definitive there, but you've got, you know, one of the Rays uh, beat reporters not ruling out the possibility that um, that we do see Brent Honeywell. But in either of those scenarios, um, Austin Pruitt could stay. Uh, that is, if, if Overzi doesn't come back, Let's say they brought up uh, uh, Brent Honeywell. That uh, would allow Austin Pruitt to stay in the rotation. Or you could have both both come up and replace Pruitt. But Pruitt was, has been pretty good uh, as a starter. So um, lo- lots of angles there to cover for sure. Uh, let's get to the weather. Have not taken care of that yet. And there are a couple of games you definitely do need to watch. The Pirates are hosting the Padres. Uh, that's PNC Park, a 7.05 start. And uh, that's Travis Wood and Ivan Nova in that one. There is a big old 79% chance of rain at game time. Uh, not looking good. And it stays a very high probability for the next two to three hours after that. So uh, I suppose the good news is that um, it doesn't look like a, does not look like a situation where you have a low probability to begin with and then your, your starter gets, you know, so you got Ivan Nova going, and he pitches three innings, and then there's a two-hour rain delay. I mean, it looks like it could be a very late start to that one, uh, as long as it's not a cancellation. But uh, if you're throwing Nova or Wood, who's uh, been pretty good since coming over to the Padres, uh, or any of the hitters involved in that one, you certainly need to uh, check the updates on that. And then you've also got the Tigers at the Orioles. Uh, that's also a 7.05 Eastern start. That's uh, that's a big one. Justin Verlander and Kevin Gosman. Gosman been really good lately. Verlander, uh, I think, uh, certainly on the upswing as well. And you've got a zero percent precipitation chance in that one, but it goes up to fifteen percent uh, at eight nine o'clock. So uh, that could, even though the, the chances are much lower there, that's one that really could mess you up a little bit more uh, because you you have no game. Uh, game time chance of rain and then uh you know maybe you have a delay in that one so that one's a little bit worrisome so i'd say those are the two big ones that you definitely need to check over the next few hours if you got any of those pitchers or hitters involved 
And uh, in terms of some lineup developments, we've got a lot of lineups in right now. To be totally honest with you, I haven't had a chance to check all of these. But the one thing that did stand out for me is that you got Jesus Aguilar getting another start at first base for the Brewers. It's also the uh, first major league start for Brandon Woodruff, who I've been talking about a lot the last week or so. Uh, here it is, his first major league start against the Rays and Jacob Faria. And so you got Aguilar, who's been uh, hitting well, hitting for power, back in there, uh, batting fifth, playing first base. But Eric Thames also in the lineup because he gets to play DH in the AL Park. So a win-win for the Brewers, uh, two first basemen. And uh, Thames, I believe, yesterday played left field. So, uh, of course, got a lot of moving parts there in that Brewers outfield. Uh, for today, you've got Braun in left, Broxton in center, Santana and right, and Aaron Perez at second. So I guess the the odd man out, even with the uh, with the DH, would be Jonathan Br. Um, so Brewers lineup always an interesting one. And I'm also looking at the Braves lineup because I know uh, Matt Adams has been ill lately. He is still not back in the lineup, uh, but also no not uh, no Danny Santana either. So you got of course Freddie Freeman at first. He's uh, apparently going to be back at first now. For the long haul with Brandon Phillips shifting over to third. He had to do that to make way for Ozzy Albies, who we'll talk about in a little while. But you got an outfield there for the uh, Braves against Adam Conley and the Marlins of uh, Sean Rodriguez in left. Makes sense. Rodriguez in there against the lefty. And uh, Anderson and Ciarte, of course, leading off and playing center. And Nick Marcakis uh, batting fifth and in right field. And you've got two good hitting catchers there for the Braves this year. Tyler Flowers with a uh, kind of late career breakout and Kurt Suzuki. Uh, <laughs> I'm chuckling a little bit about Kurt Suzuki because I've talked about him recently on the show and uh, really great power. Uh, one of the, the, in fact, it was a couple of days ago when I talked about Suzuki on the show, he had the second highest ISO among catchers. I think it was a minimum 150 plate appearances. Only Robinson Chirinos was hitting for more extra base power. And uh, Gary and Thorne, a recent guest on the show, tweeted something out today about Suzuki's power. And I said, replied to it, said, it's an axe-handled bat. And apparently the, the makers of the axe-handled bat saw that and tweeted me back. So that was a fun little Twitter moment. Anyways, enough Twitter talk, uh, enough lineup talk. Uh, got a lot of uh, other notable hitting performances that deserve our attention. So uh, Brandon Moss had a two-home run game. And he has managed to stay in the lineup since the Melky Cabrera trade. And I did recall hearing something to that effect. And I, I wasn't sure I totally believed it because it just, from my fantasy owner perspective, it didn't make sense. I wanted Jorge Bonifacio in the uh, Royals lineup uh, and Moss to be the odd man out. But not the case. And by the way, the Royals, they've got a 7.15 Central time start tonight at home against James Paxton and the Mariners. So no lineup for them yet. We don't have anything for the uh, uh, 8 o'clock Eastern or later starts yet. So uh, don't know if Moss is going to make that four out of the last five games since Cabrera came over from the White Sox. But after a two-home run game, uh, you would think that uh, Brandon Moss would have a very nice shot of uh, getting up. Oh, actually, I'm going to say maybe not so much. But um, I think it's been all righties that the uh, Royals have faced since the Cabrera trade. 
I should probably stop right now because that's my memory is not good enough to remember all that all that stuff. Uh, but that's what that's what I'm going on based on my memory. Uh, so, anyhow, Brandon Moss home runs number thirteen and fourteen on Thursday against the Mariners. Tim Beckham hit his thirteenth home run of the season. Uh, and he, he's uh, hit very well in a very, very brief brief amount of time since go, going to the Orioles over from the Rays. He was three for four last night, also hit his eighth double of the season. This was against the Tigers. And so since the trade, since uh, becoming a member of the Orioles, Tim Beckham is now seven for 12, um, which is nice. But I do expect him to be the sort of hitter that Wilson Contreras is not talking about that earlier, where Contreras that could give you the batting average and the power, Beckham totally sells out for power. And that's fine. That that power gives him some value in deeper mixed leagues. I would say certainly 15 teams or more. Maybe 14 teams. But uh, don't expect much batting average improvement from Tim Beckham, regardless of what he has done in a few games as a member of the Orioles. Andrew Benintendi... Had a very nice game against the White Sox on Thursday. He went three for three with a walk. He doubled twice. He now has 16 doubles on the year. Uh, he's still hitting 268. I was going to say just 268. I think that's fair from a lot of players. You would uh, be happy to get 268. From Tim Beckham, I would be happy to get 268. But uh, Ben Nintendi doesn't strike out a whole lot. And I figured with uh, Fenway Park as a backdrop, uh, he could, you know, hit maybe 290-ish. He could give you a lot of doubles, maybe give you 15 to 20 home runs. Uh, that home run pace, I think, is still within reach. And again, with with all the extra power that we've seen this year, you know, that's not that's not any great shakes. But he's got an 18% line drive rate this year. That has really helped to bring down the batting average. Uh, given that Benintendi has been more of a line drive hitter in the past. Uh, that's even just below what would be normal for a major league hitter. Uh, and it, and he's not been so, without the line drives, he's really not been able to take care, take advantage of Fenway Park. He's hitting with a 110 ISO at Fenway. So that makes him really, really hard to start during home stands. And against lefties, and he is starting tonight against a lefty. Um, yeah, against Carlos Rodon. He's actually batting second. Uh, but Ben Attendee's, first of all, not always played a lot against lefties. And when he has, he has only two extra base hits this year. And they're both doubles. So that just wipes out a whole lot of times where you can trust Andrew Ben Or at least where it's not worth your while to spend some time seeing what your, your, all, uh, what your alternate options are, either on your bench or on waivers. So I got to say, I think Ben Attendee is kind of radically overowned. And I think that he could certainly finish strong, bring up bring up that batting average. But after four months, it's it's hard to trust those home and lefty splits for Benintendi. Anyway, on that really downer note, I'll head to another break. Uh, talk about some other uh, players hitting their first career home runs on Thursday. Exciting stuff. So uh, more to come right after this break. Many fantasy football players are focusing on their upcoming drafts later this summer. But the smart fantasy owner knows there's another big draft before the one where you pick the players. The first step in building a winner for the 2017 season is to draft the best team of experts for your preseason prep. 
So make the right selection and pick the squad at rotoexperts.com by purchasing the exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. The Roto Experts roster features FSWA inaugural Hall of Famer and former Fantasy Football Writer of the Year Scott Engel, nationally acclaimed top ranker Jake Seeley, 2015 and 16 FSWA award winners Bobby McMahon and Brandon Murchison, and many more analysis with impressive stats. They bring you a draft package bursting with all pro analysis and in-season coverage that'll guide you to title glory. So pick the team to help you build the right team. Make your first important selection of the 2017 season now and get the exclusive edge fantasy football package from rotoexperts.com. Be sure to enter promo code free radio at checkout for your discount. back. You are listening to Fan Rag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. And I gotta say, a little Billy Joel there. Reminds me of my former colleague, Adam Azer. So Adam, hope you're listening. But I'm sure you're not because you are the hardest working man in uh, fantasy sports and in podcasts. Uh, so, uh, apparently still going well for Tanner Roark. It is still 2-0 Nationals in the top of the 5th. Rourke has limited the Cubs to just two hits so far. And Kyle Hendricks also still uh, working in that game. Uh, Let's get back to some of the Thursday performances. And I mentioned just right before the break, a couple of hitters knocked their first balls out of the park in the major leagues. Ozzie Albies and Nicky Delmonico. Uh, Albies hit his off of Tony Singrani in the, uh, I think it was the ninth inning last night uh, against the Dodgers, of course. Although we got to get used to Tony Singrani being a Dodger now. And Nicky Delmonico with a two-for-four game against the Red Sox. His first career home run uh, has only been up for, for three games. So uh, pretty exciting for both Albies and Delmonico. Obviously one much more highly touted, much more uh, anticipated than the other. And I certainly would rather have Albies on uh on my fantasy roster. Although, as I talked about with Nando yesterday, I've not really been in a rush to get Albies in, uh, in a 12-teamer, I uh, just think that um, maybe it's just a question of, of that I'm well enough set for steals in, in my leagues uh, where I could use them, where he'd be available, that uh, I have not made a move because I just think that uh, that's that's really the one thing that you can count on from Albies. But first home run for Albies, so maybe I'm underestimating the power. Um, Delmonico, a little more power, or actually quite a bit more power than Albies, but... Uh, Probably not going to help you so much with the stolen bases. Uh, in terms of power, Joey Gallo, he keeps producing it. He went one for three with a walk and his 29th home run of the season. Considering that there was a period there where Gallo wasn't playing that much, that is almost mind-blowing. I would say it is mind-blowing that Gallo has 29 home runs at what is roughly the two-thirds mark of the season. I mean, that's, that's amazing. And now he is playing every day. Uh, he's now hit four home runs over his last three games, and over his last 13 games, Gallo's batting 289. Let that one wash over you for a minute, <laughs> because Gallo is the ultimate uh, solid out for power guy, and he's hit 289 over his last 13 games with eight home runs. 
So he has struck out 20 times in 50 plate appearances, so we don't need to get all excited and think that this is a, a completely new and different version of Joe, Joey Gallo we've seen the last couple of weeks. Uh, he still struck out in 40% of his plate appearances, but he's hitting 289 because he doesn't have to worry about bad up. He just hits the ball out of the park, and that takes care of his batting average and everything else. So, uh, of course, once he slows down a little bit with the power, then we're going to see that batting average uh get get to its uh, kind of normal resting place but it's uh it's certainly fun fun if fun and enjoyable if you own them now while this is lasting and the power you know i mean even if it slows down i mean you're talking about a guy on on roughly a 45 home run pace who has not been an everyday player all season long so a lot to like there about joey gallo just imagine if he does at some point cut down on strikeouts chris taylor also keeps hitting he went three for five against the braves last night with his 13th home run. And we saw the return of Jarrett Parker, long, long stay on the disabled list uh, since early on in the season. Comes back, goes three for four with a pair of doubles, his first two doubles of the year against the uh, against the A's last night. Um, so I still, I'm still not sure how playing time is going to shake out for Parker, but he's one of the few hitters that I think has enough power to transcend having to play half of his games at AT&T Park. I'm, I'm really intrigued, uh, intrigued by Parker. Not enough to get him in a 12-teamer, but pretty much anything deeper than that. Uh, might be a nice stash while you wait and see how playing time uh, comes, comes into shape for him. Uh, there were also a lot of really interesting pitching performances last night, some good, some bad. Get, get to all of them. Actually, I'll start with one of the bad ones. Sean Newcomb. I haven't talked about him in a while. In fact, I'm not sure I've talked about him since uh, this recent stretch of six starts, a little more than a month's time. Because if if you recall, when he first got called up by the Braves, he was outstanding. He also had a very, very favorable schedule. So we were all kind of left waiting to see, okay, is this going to hold up when Newcomb has some tougher matchups? And unfortunately for him and for Newcomb owners, it's been a brutal schedule for him. So let me just start with the most recent performance. Last night against the Dodgers, only lasted four and two-thirds innings and walked seven batters. And control is always the thing that has been what fancy owners might worry about with Newcomb. It's always been the red flag for him. So he over four and two-thirds with the seven walks, he gave up four hits, allowed three runs, but he did get seven strikeouts. So that's kind of the upside and the downside of Newcomb all in one nutshell there. But over the last six games, he's faced the Dodgers twice, including last night. He's also faced the Astros, the Nationals, and the Cubs. Now, the start that's missing I didn't mention was the Phillies, and that was also his best start by far out of the six. So we're we're seeing a really clear pattern now with Newcomb a couple of months or so into his major league career where he's aced the easy matchups and really struggled with the tough ones. And I don't know if we could just go ahead and just run with that as a, a start set criterion for him, but uh, it's the, the, the pattern is playing his day. So I put up a Twitter poll and I put up the game log. Well, I actually just put up the recent part of the game log. I didn't include the first, uh, I think it was four starts. Yeah, four starts for Newcomb, which were all pretty favorable matchups where he did really, really, really well. Uh, I just include the last six, 
and the summary stats for those six, which include a 731 ERA, 34 strikeouts, 24 walks, and 28 in the third innings. So I'll repeat that last part again. 24 walks and 28 in the third innings, but a 12% whiff rate, but also a 60% strikes thrown rate. So you kind of get the full picture there of, of Newcomb's strengths and weaknesses, even against a very tough uh, set of matchups. And then I included the poll question, which was, is Newcomb's slump more the result of his own skill level or the tough matchups? And 57% said skill level, 43 said matchups. That's pretty close. I would have thought maybe it'd be a little more lopsided in favor of skill level because uh, as uh, a couple people did point out, I mean, it's, it's hard to ignore those walks, but um, you know, I, I myself, I am kind of inclined to go with the matchups and that's not necessarily comforting. I am a Newcomb owner in one league, so it's not necessarily comforting to me, but at least it, you know, for now it gives me a clear narrative in terms of whether to start or to sit him. So, uh, you know, go, going into next week, Newcomb, as of right now, is scheduled to face the Phillies. So we, we saw him face the Phillies fairly recently. It wasn't a really deep start for him. Let me see if I can pull that up. But it was, like I said, relative to the other starts against, you know, the Dodgers, Cubs, uh, Nationals, and Astros. Uh, against the Phillies, he went five, just five innings. He did walk three batters, but he only gave up one run and he did get four strikeouts. So um, that was a no decision for Newcomb. But, um, you know, that that's enough for me to go on to think, okay, next week he could he could do well. He could probably get me a win. He could probably help my ERA, and he could almost certainly help me with strikeouts. So for now, I, I think that's a fair rule of thumb to go on. Uh, but as bad as Newcomb's start was, Chad Cool was, was a cool customer against the Reds, and I apologize for that. Uh, for what I said, seven scoreless innings with uh, six strikeouts and just four hits allowed, um, just two walks, uh, and over his last seven starts, he's been pretty good, even though the ratios are not so good. He's got a 270 ERA over that time with uh, 31 strikeouts and 18 walks. That's a kind of an ugly ratio over 40 innings but only one home run allowed. So there is the secret sauce for Chad Cool. Um, just not allowing a lot of extra base hits and not a single home run in any of his last six starts and only one over his last seven. So he's getting it all done basically on, on soft contact and particularly not allowing hitters to pull fly balls. That has been the thing. And, I, you know, pitching a PNC helps cool as well but um he has over that those seven starts which date back to july 1st this is incredible he has a pulled fly ball rate against him of three percent three percent the next lowest rate during that span among pitchers who have pitched at least eight innings worth of fly ball at bats is 13 percent he's 10 percentage points ahead of the next ranking pitcher and the next ranking pitcher is pretty interesting, too. Miguel Castro. Well, I had to think for a second. I, <laughs> I'll admit, I did not realize he was in the Orioles' bullpen. And he pitched six innings in relief last night. So kind of an interesting time to, to be talking about Miguel Castro. 
And um, I'm going to talk about him just a little bit because uh, it was a very impressive performance by Castro in long relief. You may remember he was the Blue Jays' closer at the beginning of the season a couple years ago. And then he kind of just disappeared uh, off the fantasy radar. And here he shows up in uh, an excellent long middle relief, uh, long relief uh, stint for the Orioles who needed it uh, after Chris Tillman uh, bowed out early. So anyways, can't believe I'm going to talk about Miguel Castro on the show, but I'm going to do that more after this break, along with a few other pitchers of note. So I'll be right back. Quarterback to receiver hookups, running back depth analysis, rookie values in dynasty leagues, deep sleepers, training camp battles. These are just a few of the in-depth features you will find inside the 2017 RotoExperts.com Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. And it's power-packed with so much more, including fully sortable player projections and a custom cheat sheet generator. Plus, you get a full year of in-season coverage as a bonus. Get the Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package now at rotoexperts.com. Enter free radio at checkout for your special discount. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, this is uh, you know, not much time left in the show. This is the last segment. And I've got six pitchers I want to talk about. So I'm going to have to really bring my efficiency up a notch <laughs> in this segment. And here we go. Miguel Castro, who I started to talk about uh, at the end of the last segment. Six scoreless innings in relief of Chris Tillman against the Tigers. Uh, only two strikeouts. That's kind of how it's gone for Castro uh, in relief for the Orioles this year. But he does have an 11% whiff rate. So I think there is maybe a little bit more strikeout upside there. And as I mentioned before, only Chad Cool over the last month plus has been better at preventing pulled fly balls. So that's uh, helping Castro uh, keep the ball in the park. So uh, in deep leagues, you know, AL only, maybe uh, he gets stretched out and joins a uh, an Orioles rotation that, that needs some help. Just speculation there, but tuck that away. Sonny Gray made his Yankees debut, went six innings, uh, unfortunately got outdueled by Corey Kluber. He's got a lot of company there, but he did get six strikeouts in just two earned runs uh, against the Indians. Anytime you can strike out six in six innings against the Indians, that's not, that's not a bad outing at all. Colin McHugh also went six innings against the Rays. That's a team, unlike the Indians, that uh, can help a pitcher out with some strikeouts. McHugh also got six strikeouts. Only one earned run, but let me alert you that after now three starts off the DL, McHugh has a ridiculous 21% ground ball rate. I do not see how that does not come back to haunt him at some point. Ty Block had a very nice start against the A's, uh, going eight deep. And as a guy who you know pitches to contact, I mean, if he's not getting clobbered, then he's typically going very deep into a game, especially at home, where he's got a 370 ERA, uh, just two runs allowed in those eight innings, but just four strikeouts. So that is a pretty quintessential tie block outing. Uh, Jose Quintana, not a very good start against the Diamondbacks. Gave up three home runs, six runs total. Did get st- six strikeouts in five innings. Uh, that, too, is sort of a microcosm of how things have gone for Quintana 
Um, he is freezing batters a lot more on the curveball this year. That's helping his strikeout rate. But the sinker is really getting clobbered. He's given up 10 home runs just on the sinker alone. So uh, he's really become stuff kind of that steady guy. Quintana's this year been more of a high-risk, high-reward kind of pitcher that you really have to watch the, the matchups uh, with pretty carefully. And finally, Herman Marquez. I feel like i shoehorn him in here as the last player to talk about because I've been saying for the last week or so that I was very interested to see how he would do against the Mets this week, uh, coming off of a string of really good starts, mostly against uh, some pretty, uh, I don't want to say easy competition, but you know less challenging, let's say, competition. Uh, but uh, did okay against the Mets. Did, did not leave us with a clear signal. Went six innings, gave up three runs. So quality start, though just barely, with five strikeouts and three walks. But that is now five straight quality starts with a 3.48 ERA over those starts for Marquez. Over This is what I like, though. Over those uh, five quality starts, Marquez has a 67% strikes thrown rate, which is excellent, and a 13% whiff rate, which is also excellent. Um I think he's worth a try now. And over the same period, he's throwing the curveball more often. That has been his best swing and best pitch. So uh, I think there's something to this with Marquez. I'm coming around to that point of view. So on that final note, thank you very, very much for listening today. I will be back on Tuesday at uh, 1 o'clock Eastern, 10 o'clock Pacific for a two-hour show. Looking forward to that. And uh, hope you enjoy your weekend. And uh, you enjoy uh, some baseball this afternoon and tonight. Stay tuned for On Target, and have a good one, everybody.